bitch. You need to hear this. Hello, hello, and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land. Bitch, you need to hear this. And I am your host, Katie P, and I am back for another week with another lady and her lovely story. I am excited for this week. I have not done an episode like this before, and this guest reached out to me um, not too long ago and you know, had mentioned that she'd be a good fit for my audience. And I actually agree. I think this is going to be really good. So I'm really excited. And this week's episode, you guys, is all about career. And it's about finding yourself in your career and being, I have a lot of millennial listeners and being a millennial and being in this age that we're at, it's very prevalent to us. A lot of us are either finding our groove in our career or, and I would say the the or is the more of us, are finding that the career that we selected maybe wasn't the best choice, the choice for us, or isn't our passion, and how do we balance our passion and making a living, and I can't wait to have this discussion with our guest today, Alana Kilmartin. I have another Aussie on the pod today, and so if you guys listened to The Psychology of Your 20s a couple weeks ago, Alana is also from the Melbourne area where I used to au pair at, so excited to have her on the show today. Hi, Alana. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Such a great introduction, too. Yes, I'm so excited. So you guys, Alana is coming out with a book. The book is called Unserious Careers, right? Yeah, correct. Yes. And, you know, your whole stick, your whole, like everything that you're all about is the pressures that young women face making career decisions at school when we're young and all this confusion and compare and despair that happens in our 20s if we change our minds, right? And how do we give ourselves permission to change our minds? And so I'm really excited to first hear about how did you come into this story yourself? I'm, I imagine in the little research I've done that you have some personal experience with this. So talk to me about that. Yeah, it's a long-winded story that I'll try and keep as short as possible. But I like to think it all, I mean, your whole childhood is relevant, right, to what you end up doing for your career. But I like to think it all started with a heartbreak when I was 17 years old. And it was a breakup. I got dumped. It was so tragic. It was the, like, crying into your bowl of ice cream kind of tragic. Didn't see it coming. Thought I was going to marry the guy that it was going to be. My whole life was stitched up and I was totally sweet, sorted. I'm going to be a doctor. He's going to be a dentist. It's going to be, like, we're going to be a power couple 101. And then when I got dumped and I thought, holy crap, what, what do I do now? Like, I had no idea if he could dump me and that wasn't going to work out, what else did it kind of mean for my career? And I thought I wanted to be a doctor from a very young age. I got probably labeled as like a bit of a nerd or gifted when I was at school, which was of course something I'm very grateful for and fortunate for, but it ended up, I guess, putting me into a box of expectations of what I was going to do in my career. And People loved it when I'd say I wanted to be a doctor because it was something that I think we still probably in this day and age put on a pedestal and think, if you're you're a doctor, you're doing really good work in the world. And 
what, as a result, I guess, of that breakup, I thought I would go to university straight away and start studying because if I was going to be a doctor, it was going to take 10 years before I'd be making serious money or serious, I guess, inroads with my career. But because of that breakup, because I felt like all I wanted to do was escape, like I would go to school every day and I just didn't want to be there anymore. I was miserable, yet I was a person that was supposed to have their shit together. And it like slapped me across the face because I didn't realize how impactful, I guess, love, like, I don't know, like it sounds so corny, but like love is and relationships is to your career. And yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It sounds so ridiculous because you you don't go. No, I mean, no, I, it's totally in the, I, I'm laughing and chuckling because my listeners um, know my story that kind of how this whole show was created. My whole career and this whole career change has been kind of the, the catalyst was this like horrible breakup I had. Yeah. And when you go to like, we call it say a career counselor or a career advisor here, you might, I don't know if you call it like a guidance counselor or something at school. Yeah. When you go to them, they're really knowledgeable on pathways and, oh, you want to do this? That's cool. You could go there. You could do this. You could go to grad school, but they don't sit there and say, Hey, have you had a messy breakup? Have you been dumped before? Like this sort of stuff that is so transformational, I think in your life, we don't really have that conversation right alongside careers. And yet it's one of the things that will have the biggest impact on our experience of life but our experience of our careers and I suppose what I ended up doing as a result of it was I decided to take a gap year after high school and go overseas basically get as far away as possible from this breakup and I suppose expectations like away from family away from friends so I could be by myself and kind of figure out who I was and what I was doing and just to not be around the reminders I suppose of that relationship and through doing that, I just opened my eyes to the world and it was something I, I didn't realize at the time when I had those part-time jobs at school that that's what I was saving for. I was just saving because I didn't have anything else to spend the money on. But then when this opportunity came up to do a gap year, I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And I'd worked really hard over those years to save and I could kind of go and do it. And through doing that gap year, I started to see that, hang on a minute, maybe I don't need to go and become a doctor, but what would that look like instead? And I guess the story of my 20s has been always feeling like I've never been good enough because I never became a doctor. And I have this crazy passion for young people and careers and how if you can if you can find work that you that is fun, that you enjoy, that you care about, your life is so much better. And I've seen so many people, myself and myself included, get into their twenties and they, they can't seem to figure work out. And because you think you have to figure it out, like you have to decide on this one career path and then that's you done for the rest of your life. But it's kind of like the, it's like make or break in your twenties. If you happen to be one of those people that decided on a career when you were younger, went into it and you love it, that's awesome. But I don't, I think that's a really, really small percentage of people that actually do that. And so I found myself like stumbling, fumbling my way through my twenties. And a lot of it all stemmed back to Korea. And like I had another relationship early in my twenties as well. And as much as he was such a great guy, I let myself be treated like complete shit in the relationship. Like just, I look back now and think it's almost, it's not embarrassing, but it is kind of embarrassing. Cause I like, I look at myself now and I go, I'm such a more like strong and confident woman. But back then I just, I guess gave myself fully to the relationship 
And I think that's been a theme throughout like my career and through jobs that I've gone into where I've given myself so fully to the job because I felt like I needed to search for this identity. And once I landed on that career identity, then I'd be complete. And so in the end I'd burn out or I would be miserable and it would start impacting my friendships and my quality of life because I just got so absorbed by the work and this like hyper fixation on needing to decide that one job, that one career. And it kind of got to the point where there's more stories, of course I could go into, but I realized that if you can't go to work each day and enjoy what you do, I don't think you necessarily have to be madly in love with your work. Sometimes I find that that's a bit misleading for a young person because how do you know what you even want in the first place, let alone if you're going to love it. But I think if you can enjoy, like enjoy your life, have fun, go, it doesn't have to be traveling, but traveling was just something I found was like my jam. If you can go and do those things, your career kind of ends up falling not falling into place, but you at least learn how to adapt, evolve and change with your career based on what's going on in your life and and what's really lighting you up at that point in time. But I found that I didn't have those skills when I came out of school because it was kind of like, yo, you need to decide on a career. Time is ticking. You've got final assessments, final exams coming. But at the same time, you also need to be submitting applications for university. And there was just no space, no grace to be able to make any of those really great career decisions. So yeah, I suppose that's how the book ended up coming about was based on my own experiences of, I really focus in on the first five years of your career because it can feel like you're kind of trying to decide on something for 40 years when when you leave school, so much happens in those few years, just from a career mm. perspective, yes, but as a personal perspective, like you might be moving out of yes. home, you might be moving to the other side of the country. And it's almost like, how do you actually navigate those first few years so that you don't feel like you're not maybe moving towards something that you want in your career, but that you can also just have fun and enjoy your life and kind of take that career a bit less seriously so that you don't have that pressure every day to decide and commit and go through with it. You know, absolutely. And I think for women, so does Unserious Careers specialize with women or is it like across gender, like men? And it's women it's across gender. Too? So it is across gender. It's more to do with the young people as opposed to say a 40, a 40 year old person. Okay. So more like it's more age, but I think what's really interesting for, in my experience with this too, this to give you context and the listeners context as we have this conversation and as like we have in common that, you know, this, journey that we both started on the catalyst was around this relationship but I think uh, ending but I think for women choosing a career and what came what it came down to for me when I originally chose my career back when I was 18 I was like I'm gonna be I'm gonna start out being a school teacher and then I'm gonna work my way up into being an administrator and working as like a principal or superintendent over a big district or whatever and the reason I did that was because I really was wanting to be in a career where I could have a family and I could have like I could be a mom and a wife and I think there's so much pressure a different type of pressure than it is for men and men have also a different type of pressure that women don't have like I think there is this difference when you're establishing yourself when you're 18 19 in your early 20s of how do I choose a career that's going to fit this lifestyle that I'm supposed to fit into? And as I started to go through this relationship that I was in, um, I started to change course a little bit, not because I necessarily felt like I was passionate about something or it filled me up. It was, 
oh, well, my partner isn't going to make, isn't going to be the breadwinner, so I have to go be the breadwinner. And it was all revolved around my partnership instead of like really thinking about what lights me up, what do I, what do I want to do, what makes sense for me to do, what kind of lifestyle do I want to have. And I think for a lot of young people, a lot of people in relationships young, but a lot of women, there's this pressure to create this career around having a family, around um, whatever your relationship status is. And I think it's more rare to see women kind of buck against that and be like, no, I'm going to go after what I want because it lights me up because I'm passionate about it. For sure. And the, there was a couple of things that that reminded me of. So I grew up with two older brothers and my dad was the main breadwinner. Mum was a stay-at-home mum. And I'm not quite sure on, on what your dynamic was growing up, but... Very similar. I had my, The only difference is I have one younger brother, but otherwise exactly the same. There you go. So yeah. it was like... Like when you, when I look back and I've done a lot of reflecting and when I look back on that, I realize how influential that was in the, the woman I end up becoming. And I was speaking to my, my dad was very unemotional, I would say. So he was incredibly good at supporting the family financially and don't get me wrong. He was there for all the key moments, but from an emotional perspective, mm -hmm. he, he was, he was the traditional man, the breadwinner, the the disciplinary, that kind of figure. And yeah. because I had these two older brothers, they were five and seven years older than me. So I was never as good as them because it was like a biolog like it was biological. I was smaller than them. I was developmentally just going to always be behind them. And I grew up in this environment where it was either you take care of yourself and you stand your ground or else you're just going to get beaten. And one thing I, I chatted to my dad a couple of years ago and he said, if there was one thing I really wanted for you as a daughter was that you always believed that you could do anything that your brothers could. And it was a really like nice thought, but then I started reflecting on it and realizing that that then almost detached me from what made me a woman and kind of like, well, if I can do anything they can do, I should do what they do. So I need mm -hmm. to be maybe the breadwinner or I need to do all these things. I saw my mum growing up being almost the the weaker of the couple of the in the relationship. And it was almost like in that family dynamic that was seen as not as good. And I found myself being like, right, I've got to be, I've got to be driven. I've got to be ambitious. I've got to knock everything out of the park and I've got to be the really successful one because I don't want to be seen as that female figure. That's the weak one. And what I realize now and what I've had to, I guess, from that, from that kind of like mid twenties crisis of identity and career was no, I can, I can I can still be a woman and be strong and have a career and I can do all those things. And it's not weak to be a woman, but there's also a lot at play when I, so the, the guy that who's um, now my fiance, we've been together for six and a half years. And so I met him when I was 23 years old and I look back now and I was so young at the time when we met, but what's been so different about this relationship is the growth hasn't stopped. I've been allowed to mm. still develop as an individual. And like I was listening to one of your episodes and you're talking about even in that toxic relationship, how you just knew you had to go and do these things that it didn't yeah. matter that you're in the relationship. If you couldn't go and travel and move to Chicago, then that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't an option not to do it. Right. And I think right. in this relationship, I've been able to still go and do those career things. And he's shown me a different side of what it's like to be a woman and what a man can be like, because he probably is more of the one that he's 
he's in, in a lot of ways, a lot more like a nurturer and I'm more of a, a say career driven, but then there is that inevitable time when, and this is something that does frustrate me a little bit about careers because they, people will say, even if you are a woman, you can still have a career, even with children, you can still do all these things, but there are some fundamental things that change by you being, if you are the one to carry the, the baby, like it is a consideration. And Mm-hmm. I think growing up around those boys, it was kind of like, no, no, you can do anything the boys can do. Just keep pushing, keep going. But if I do like when, and if I do have kids, that is going to change things. And it would be naive to think that that isn't going to influence your career. Cause it's a massive part of your life. Right. Of course. And I, you know, it's, as you're talking, I, I, you know, we didn't even know this. So we set up this recording, but we do have a ton of, well, maybe you did. Cause you listened to my show a little bit, but, um, ton of similarities and uh parallels into i mean i would say my dad my dad's a little bit different in that he's very very emotive um very expressive but but he was also very like grind be driven do all the things your brothers do and then some if you want like and i very much have had this mentality for even though i went into a very woman dominated profession into education and then i pivoted to be more of a psychologist but i still work i still work in schools um, I, you know, I, I also got this similar message that I have to grind and drive and be super ambitious and be all these and be everything. And sometimes when you feel like you have to be everything all at once, you end up being nothing in that you don't do any, I felt like for a long time, I wasn't doing anything of those things. Well, like I wasn't doing my relationship well, I, and I wasn't holding myself accountable well in that I wasn't, and I was, I, you know, I was a good student and I, you know, showed up and I, my coworkers in my various jobs I've been in all thought I performed well, but it was it's because it's beyond that. It's like how fulfilled do I feel? What is my lifestyle like, et cetera, et cetera? And I I think a lot of women in particular get stuck into the I have to be everything at the same time, where it's similar but different for men. Of like I have to um, show results and produce results and create and be this like manly masculine man. And if I don't have the right career and I don't make all the money and whatever, then that makes me less of a man. So I think there's, there are pressures on both genders. It's just like a little bit different in how it manifests. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And there's, even if you think about how, so I'm a really big fan of like a woman's cycle and how that kind of, that will affect like your career output throughout the course of a month. And that was something I only really discovered in, in probably a couple of years ago was when I started to get right into it. But there's a fundamental difference in how our, our bodies run. And from a career mm-hmm. perspective, there's times when you are not going to be able to perform at the same level as a man can. And that will mean then that there will be other times when you'll be on fire and you will be all guns blazing, but there is a cyclical nature to how you can work in your career. And it's kind of like the seasons, right? The seasons, especially in your twenties, so much is changing all the time and you're going through these massive developmental stages and your brain is maturing, all this sort of stuff that it can be very confusing. I know I found as a woman to go, well, how come I can't just perform every day like a man can? How come I can't just, mm-hmm. you know, grind every day and do it? Cause then there's certain times where I'm like on the couch for a week cause I'm totally exhausted. Cause I've been burning the candle at both ends for other times mm-hmm. of the month. So this is, I guess, the sometimes I, I find that you do end up maybe gravitating even more towards uh, workplaces where you can work with, say, more women as opposed to not being around as many men, or workplaces like I've been in, I've done a lot of sales before, and 
naturally in that kind of sales environment, it is not even that there's necessarily a lot more males, but it's a very masculine energy because mm-hmm. it's, you've got goals, you've got commission, you know, whether or not you're as good as the person next to you. And I found myself in a lot of these places cause I could compete and I could, I knew if I was better than someone else, but what ended up happening is it was nonstop. Like it was, when do you actually stop and take the time to just rest because I don't have any energy at the moment. And it would be this every single, like in a particular job, every month your sales would reset and it would be like, I have to do it all again, but I don't, and I don't have the energy to do it. And I have to show up every day and push and push and push. And people would keep expecting you to push. But I'm like, I feel like all I'm doing is pushing when all I really want to do is create and I want to create change and I want to help other people. But all I'm doing is just pushing these sales forward. And it's a very different energy to be in. Yeah. So when you took this gap year and what, what did that do for you? Where did you, where did you end up kind of going from there when you, when you, when you decide, cause it sounds like you went into some of these careers that and different jobs that maybe didn't serve you at the time, but it's kind of all, I mean, that's all like takes you on this path to where you end up now, but, but take me back there a little bit too of like, how did that help you throughout your twenties, like get to this place of finding this, this career. And this, this is the thing is, was it just a bunch of trial and error? Was it one aha moment? What was that like for you? There was a lot of, I just call it, sorry, I just call it experimenting. It was just, which is, I guess, trial and error, but it was more maybe intentional and it was Mm -hmm. see what sticks, just throw something at the wall, see what sticks. And I think going on that gap year, I got to meet a lot of different people and I'm a big fan of, it doesn't matter what you do, if you do, do take a gap year. But one of the best things you can do is try living somewhere else. And that might be going and staying at your aunt and uncle's house for a month or something like that. But for going and traveling and living, I lived in Italy as an au pair for nine months. I could see what even just what jobs were available in other places because I grew up in a very small area on a farm, somewhat sheltered of an upbringing. And then I'd go to these other places where there were just like entirely different industries that I never even knew existed that I never even thought of. And what ended up happening is I came back to Australia and I moved, uh, I moved to Melbourne to the city to go to university. And I studied biomedical science with the intention to then become a doctor after that. And I got about six months in and thought, nah, this, it's just not going to make me happy. I knew it wasn't going to make me happy. And so I ended up picking up a commerce degree. So like a, a business degree alongside it, because I'd always been really interested in business but I kept going with the biomedical science because that was the kind of belief of like, well, if you can have two bachelor degrees and that's got to be better than one. And I guess I was still in that habit of assuming that everyone else had my best intentions and they knew what they were talking about. So I kept kind of continuing with that. And I actually did a, a study abroad uh, in North Carolina. So I, th- that was incredible. And that was just six months of pure enjoyment, still studying, but just absolutely loved it. And when I ended up finishing university, I was so lost, so just hopelessly lost. I had no idea. I kind of naively assumed that you, if you study something at the end of it, I don't know, a job maybe magically appears or there's a, an obvious career path. And there wasn't, it turns out that you are in school. You have these maybe support systems around you. These people that are checking in on you, but 
it kind of gets less and less as you get older. So you're at university and yep, there's people around you, but they're not actively engaged in necessarily where you're going. So if you don't have the, you don't know that you have to take control of that. It's really easy just to get lost in the crowd and to realize that, Oh, oh I don't know what I'm doing. And, well, and I think too, for so many years, I don't know. I mean, obviously we grew up on literally different continents, but for years, there was this whole message sold to me as a child and to everyone my age here. As long as you go to college, you're set. Just go to college, get literally any degree, and you will be financially okay. You will have a career. And it's like, just get into college. Like, just go to university. Just do that. And you'll be set. And I find so many people my age and like exa- experiencing exactly what you're saying of being so lost afterward. There was no job that magically appeared at the end. There wasn't all this plethora of opportunity. It was just like, oh, I have this really expensive piece of paper. I have the knowledge, the experiences from it. Great, That's great. I, I don't regret. I do not regret going to college. I'm very like driven by education. I see a value in it for sure. Obviously, I work in schools, but I also there's just this like miss messaging that's done about it of what you're going to get from it without putting in the time and the effort and the passion and the the critical thinking that people just don't do. They think it's going to fall into their lap. But how ridiculous is it that at school you're say 17 or 18 years old in your final year or two of school and you're expected to be able to even understand the financial impact of that choice that you're making. It blows, it literally right. blows my mind because it's almost given to you, it's slightly different in Australia how you can pay for university and for that education. But it's almost like, oh, well, why wouldn't you go? There's so much support available, but it's all debt. It really is debt at the end of the day, or it's an investment yep. that you're then going to have to pay back. But when you're 17 right. or 18 years old, you don't know, or some people may, but like very few people know what it's like to have to pay rent, to have to pay mm-hmm. bills. And yet here you are being like, hey, you don't mind taking on 50,000, 100,000, however, you know, plus in debt, plus maybe living costs. It's not real. Yeah, it's not real. It's, it's like monopoly money. It's fake. You don't actually have to pay yeah. it back. They're not really going to come and collect yeah. that. But yet you make that decision and then you go into these environments where, well, I've started, so I might as well keep going. And I was actually speaking to a teacher in the US. So I'd be interested if this was your experience of, yeah, you go and get an education. Like she became a teacher and she came out and she was on like $36,000 a year. And she's like, I've got this ridiculous amount of university debt now. And yet I'm earning $36,000 a year. So go figure. Like, how am I supposed to ever pay this back, let alone save for a house? let alone have children like it's absolutely absurd that we're we're selling this idea that if you just go to university you'll have it all sorted no and I mean it it also depends as far as education it depends on where in this country you live so like if you talk to the teachers down in the south absolutely it's like it's asinine but it's not much better in other areas of the country but salary greatly greatly depends on where you live in the U.S. but and all, not even just education and all jobs. But um, I will say that it, especially in education, though, it's like loan forgiveness. Like there's this whole concept of like 10 year loan forgiveness. So if you just pay your payments regularly for 10 years, they'll forgive whatever you have left and you don't have to pay it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people bank on that. And a lot of people are leaving education once they get their loan forgiveness because it's so miserable. It's such a miserable job right now in the state of education. But all, like I, and outside of that, I also see people that go for these careers that the degree costs so much more than 
the career pays them back and it's really not a worthy investment and my you know my dad did did I you know he listens to my show every week dad you did tell me that when I went when I made that decision I you did okay I'll give it to you but you know, you also get sold this and what and not even sold. I mean, it's what we're what we're promoting is finding something that you're passionate about. So it's like on one end, I really want to help people. I want to do I want to serve people. I like kids, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go into this. But there's absolutely no practicality to this whatsoever. So it's like for me, I find so many people my age, whether they're in education or not, like just struggling with student debt having a career that's practical, having a career that they like, and how do you figure that out? I mean, it's, it just feels like it's so much harder than it should be. Yeah, it is. And there's sometimes so much emphasis and it's like on finding that. And I'm, I'm a big believer that if work isn't your thing, don't make it your thing. Just because you were, you got great grades at school and you had the like potential to go and do something like, I don't know, become a lawyer, an engineer or something like that. It doesn't actually mean that you have to. And what's the point? I, I, I truly believe that you can only ever be so good or so successful or so content at something that you don't care about. And just because you did have the grades to go and do something that was maybe seen as being like a, a higher career option or something like that doesn't actually mean you have to go and do it because if you don't have the passion for it, you're going to end up burnt out or miserable at some point or another. And when I really learned this lesson was, so after I finished university, I was hopelessly lost. And my partner and I went on a, like a week long holiday to New Zealand. And we went over there and we were, we were in the mountains and I'd never snowboarded or done anything like that before. I'm like a giraffe on stilts. Like I'm very uncoordinated. And I saw all these people doing all these really cool activities, like these adventure activities, whereas I'd grown up in a place that was like flat as, and there wasn't much happening. Like on the weekends, people just maybe drank at the, like at the pub or something like that. It wasn't exactly an inspiring lifestyle for me. And so I went to this, this place where people loved living there. Like they were out hiking on the weekends. I was like, I want to be one of those active people. I want to do that partner and I were having a bottle of wine one night and we were looking over the lake in it was in Queenstown New Zealand and we just sort of said like do you think you could live here and we agreed and within six months we packed up our lives in Australia and we moved to New Zealand which is relatively easy to do for an Australian to go to New Zealand but we ended up going over there and we've been there we just left but we've been there for five years and when I went to New Zealand, I kind of made a promise to myself and I said, right, I have no idea what I'm doing in my life, but if there's one thing I'm going to do for my next job, I'm going to combine something I'm passionate about with something I know I'm pretty good at. Doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if you need a qualification, it doesn't matter what it pays. And what I ended up becoming was I became a travel agent. And so I worked for a travel company over in New Zealand and I got into this, it was, so it was sales and I got into this environment and I knew a lot about travel and I loved traveling and I totally thrived in the environment and I was exceeding expectations. I was meeting all like my KPIs. I was getting, like I was getting paid really well. I got to go on all these awesome trips and I kind of had this just insane experience of shooting to the top of this company in sales and being like, I ended up getting like number one in New Zealand for first years, first year salespeople and number two in the world. And it was something I didn't even realize was an option when I was at university because technically I could have got that job without a university degree. And I don't regret going to university. It's taught me so much. 
But when I got into that environment, it was, it was the environment was everything and the environment allowed me to thrive. And this is where I think we don't also kind of tell young people that it's like, sometimes it doesn't actually matter on the job title. It, it matters the environment, because if you go into a workplace that will support you, that wants you to have a really great experience at work, that wants you to go wherever you want to go, that is far more valuable than taking something that might sound a bit fancier on paper, but you actually get in there and it turns out there's a lot of like gatekeeping and there's a lot of people that don't necessarily want you to do well in the company because it might mean that their job's in jeopardy or whatever it may be and yeah when I when I kind of got into that environment I was like oh wow this is this is what it's about this is what your career is about your career is about creating in a way creating the opportunities but creating and finding the environments where you can thrive the combination of career pieces that allows you just to blossom and that might mean that you might be someone that you really need to work in a team so for you then to go into a job where you're going to be working autonomously and not really being with the team it's probably unlikely that you're going to flourish and and thrive within that and that was like, I guess my big lesson of, of going there, living in a place that I loved, actually learning how to snowboard and proving to myself that I could do that. I started to realize that it wasn't about taking a career that was prescribed to me based on my grades. And it was about going like, what do I know about myself? What do I know about the lifestyle I want to live? And how can I now create a career that combines all of those things? And I truly believe that that's possible for everyone, but you need to, you need to kind of know and get, and, and build your trust muscle around that. Yeah. And, and earlier you said, if there's one thing I could tell young people to do, it's like start with traveling. I totally agree. I think it's actually a crime in the United States how little um, emphasis and value is on tr- international travel here. Blows my mind every time I go abroad, how much people know about the U.S. versus mm-hmm. how much we know about <laughs> other people. Um, real, it actually makes me mad. It irritates me. But I think that's that's a massive piece, right? Is like going on this, whether it's traveling, but w- what else would you tell young people? Like, how do you start this process? And I, I know that's what your book's all about. Like, how do you, how, how, how do you learn how to trust yourself and how do you figure out how to create that mindset shift and where, where do you start to build that? Yeah. So the book is really based on these, I call it like nine and a half principles of an unserious career. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you have to do them all, but you can kind of experiment with a couple of them. And so one of them, a simple example is take a gap year, because I think time and space is one of the most valuable things you can give yourself. And there's this bizarre rush. <laughs> and I felt it at the time as well of like, got to get going. Everyone else is getting ahead. Got to get through university, got to get into the job, got to start getting experience. But then you start to realize, that well you're just getting to these jobs and I don't know that's kind of it from there and then maybe you buy a house or you get a dog or whatever it may be so I'm a big fan of just taking a gap year doing whatever you want with that if that's international travel great if that is working for a year if that is I don't know hanging out in your parents basement and having fun then that's totally fine too so taking a gap year is a really important one and I like to think of it as like the peanut butter in a peanut butter sandwich or like a pbj sandwich it's like you've got school you've got university or the rest of your life what's in between like what's that bridge what's that gap where you can really start to unpack who you are and what you want to do with your life so I'm a massive fan of gap years. That's one of them. Um, another thing I really talk about being as quite valuable for young people is even, um, so living somewhere else, which I've touched on before. So that doesn't have to be forever. It, if it's not financially viable for you to move out of home permanently, then that's totally fine. But most of our opportunities in our career and in our life are going to come from the environment that we spend the most time in. And 
when you when you were raised in a particular area so for me for example on a farm outside a small country town there was only so much that I was exposed to there was only so many people I knew there were only so many jobs that I could see around me and through simply just moving to another place even moving to a city temporarily just opened my eyes to so much more and I do, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big believer in, it only takes one exposure to a person, a conversation, an environment, an opportunity to change the entire trajectory of your career and of your life. And if you can put yourself as a young person into environments where you're more likely to expose yourself to something you haven't experienced before, it's like subconsciously you just start processing and you just start thinking about what else could I do instead? Or am I really happy doing what I'm doing or what might I like to try next? And there's other things I talk about, like even the idea of getting people smart and how you don't need to go and necessarily get a qualification because if you can learn how people work and how to have conversations with strangers, you will always be able to create, you will always be able to open doors for yourself. And I know because I've spent quite a bit of time in the US and my brother lives there now that there is a bit of a, a fear of being laid off, of losing your job and almost like, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but kind of giving your power away to an employer, especially with say the healthcare system and things like that. But if you yep. know people and you are people smart and you can do that through so many ways, you can do it through customer service, through sales jobs, you will always be able to land on your feet because you will always know like how to sell yourself and not in a cheap way, but you will always be able to back yourself to get back up again, to go and mingle, to go and network. And if you have those skills, they will only build on themselves and they'll carry you throughout your life. And I think it's so, so valuable because it sounds like kind of what you're saying is like there are other and and shedding light on is there are other life experiences that are educational and available to all of us if we just open our mindset to seeing them as such. You know, I mean, some people can say, oh, well, like traveling, it's such a frivolous investment, you know, like taking all these trips, like you're not investing in your future. And I think there are a lot of people that invested in their future by traveling, by educating themselves through life experiences. I think there's a lot of value to having both. I for mm-hmm. me cuz like I mean I you know I and you as well like and you said you don't regret going to university. I don't regret going to college. I don't regret going to grad school. I'm actually probably going back because to get to get my doctorate because um and, and I hadn't until now, until it made a like uh, sense in my career to do so, but um, financially and whatnot. But because I learned the hard way getting into education, not to do that, <laughs> just not to just go to school to go to school. But I think a lot of people go to school to go to school and to for the the status symbol of it and and not asking themselves these harder, more reflective questions and doing this deeper work soul searching whatever you want to call it of how do I give myself these experiences to allow me to learn who I am and when you do that you are able to make that next step I think a lot of people are so impatient of like well just give me the formula and tell me what to do and then I'll land there for sure and you know and and it's just never that it's never gonna be that simple I mean I'm you know as as I'm on this journey of starting my show and 
you know, kind of recalibrating what my career is going to look like because I thought it was going to look one way and this show has totally changed and been a catalyst and changed the trajectory of that. And this, this year for me has been, um, a lot of reflection of like, well, what, what do I want to do with the rest of my life professionally then? Um, and that was the first, and, and it's interesting for me because that's the first time I ever had to ask myself that question. And I was 28, 29 versus asking myself that at like 20, 21, 22. And a lot of people are, because I was just in my head, like you said, you were in high school of like, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to wrap it up in a nice, pretty little bow. And that's that. And I, live that way for so long and what I got trapped in is that I didn't make room or space for myself to really do the deep thinking and the deep um, self-discovery that comes with taking a gap year maybe traveling maybe taking risk I mean also like taking really big risk really forces you to figure out who you are Mm. and when you when you figure out who you are that's when the magic happens, that's when you find your passion. That's when you sink into, I think, a career that fits your purpose and your passion and you are good at it. And it's practical. You make money. Yeah. And you have to be able to make money. That's the other thing, right? You've got to be able to exist in, like, in the world as well. And I think it's interesting what you point out about the risk there, about taking the risk, because this is a funny thing that when you compare the risk that you're taking when you're 18 years old compared to what you might be taking when you're 48 years old, they're very different risks and different like financial Mm -hmm. risks as well. And like I talk in the book about your, your risk to reward ratio when you are in your late teens and and twenties is insane. What you can get from like a little bit of risk or a little bit of financial investment in something that's like intentional is out like it's out the gate what you can receive from that because I even talk about um so you know like the idea of like a fuck yes if it's not a fuck yes it's a fuck no and in your 20s like I think 20s are the most opportunity filled decade of your life if you're willing to go after the opportunities and I like to think of it as fuck yes as domino so when you when your friend comes to you and they they come to you with like a really cool idea to I don't know let's just say simply go away on a girl's trip together and they tell you the dates and you're like, oh, look, I am kind of saving for this, but like, you know, it would be able to be good. You know, it w- I would be able to make it work. If it's like a fuck yes and you say yes to it, it is more likely that another fuck yes is going to come along after that. Whereas if you start saying no to these opportunities that are actually really lighting you up and sound really fun and they might sound a bit risky, but you know, you're going to get so much out of them. The more you say no to them, the less of them that are likely to come along and the more likely you are when they do come along for you just to say no and to find a reason not to do them. And I encourage so many like young people to like say yes to the fuck yeses because you're going to receive more of them. And what ends up happening is if you keep experiencing what it's like to enjoy your life, to enjoy your career, to see all the cool doors that it's opened, you just end up making decisions that are right for you right now, which means they'll be right for you in the future. And you may not know what 10 years is going to look like in your career, but if you're content doing what you're doing now, you're backing yourself that you're going to keep making those decisions that you're going to be content with even in five or 10 years time. And I just, like, it's so cliche, the idea of like life is too short, but I just think if there's a decade where you can really go out and try some things, experiment and have a bit of fun and let your hair down, it has to be your twenties. So why, mm-hmm. um, spend it doing things that you know, aren't making you happy, hopefully for a payoff in five years time of like, well, when one day when I'm in this position or I have this job, then I might be able to travel then. 
Yes. And I think it's so interesting because we're, we're talking before we started recording. We're both 29. So we're in the and you're about to be 30 mm. a couple months before me. Um, and I think there's when you at this age, there's so much reflection about our 20s and what our 20s meant and didn't mean and what, you know, thinking about the next 10 years. But for the 20s, I think there was a lot of time that I spent in my 20s looking over the other side of the fence. And I make this analogy all the time and I remember it so vividly. I was I studied abroad in Ireland and um, at the end of my study abroad, my family came, my parents, my younger brother came and met me and we did like a week in um, France and Paris and every day of the trip we had like something planned for the next day like we would go to the Palace of Versailles one day and then like Disneyland Paris the next day and like whatever at an activity and every day on the trip we would be like at Disneyland Paris and I'd be like oh so ready to go to the Palace of Versailles tomorrow then I'd be at the Palace of Versailles oh my god I cannot wait to get to the Louvre and to the next day and my dad looked at me and he was like do you realize you spend the majority of your time talking about what hasn't happened yet and you totally miss being here right now and like being present in this moment and it's taking it in for what it is and I think there was a there was a risk that I ran in my 20s when it came to career of and I especially in grad school of like I just was trying to rush through my 20s to get to mm-hmm. this outcome. I'm going to take 3 years in grad school to get to be a school psychologist and I'm going to and then I got to be a school psychologist and I got the house and that I and I lived that I lived in and blah 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 and I like got to that place and I was 25 and I had done everything that I said or 26 and I had done and said everything that I was going to do. And then it was like, holy shit, now what? And that was when everything blew up. And that was when my whole life changed and there was this massive catalyst. And part of it was circumstantial and out of my control. But I, but what was in my control was the latter half of my twenties. I decided to lean into the unknown and I'd stop and I decided to lean into being now in the here and the now and not constantly looking over the fence. And like the, the Europe analogy, it always reminds me of just stop looking over the fence, stop constantly looking to what's to what's next in 10 years, in 15 years. And it's like, how do you want to live right now in your 20s? Like you said, is like this perfect time to do that, to take risk, to fail. It's a great time to fail. If you're going to fail, you should fail in your 20s. Mm. And like there's a, a point I touch on about the failure thing is so interesting because I I don't think you can fail at your 20s, but you're going to feel failure along the way and you're going to feel like a failure. And there are going to be moments where you're like, God damn it, why didn't I just get my shit together? Or why did I, like I not get that. that job? Or I feel like a real piece of crap right now. So you're going to experience that. And to think that you're not going to is like, a, a, I don't know, it's just, it's going to happen. You're going to feel like failure. So that's normal. Embrace that. It's part of it. But you you really can't fail at your 20s and you can always do something different the next time and you just learn. And one thing that really frustrates me when I look back at my um, experience of school and kind of through university was there is this kind of notion of just do what you want, go for what you want, go for what you're passionate about. But when you're 18, you're basically a combination of the people you grew up around and the experiences that you had growing up. So in all seriousness, like, how do you know what you want? Because you've only had this, like, so a certain a set of experiences. And for me, my 20s has been like, all right, I know I don't want that now. So all I kind of know moving forward is I don't want to 
do that. So if I can now make my next career decision based on not doing that, then I'm looking like that's kind of sweet. And for me, it's almost been like a process of elimination of like, well, if I try enough things and they don't work out and I just avoid doing those, eventually I'm going to come across things that actually light me up that, that I want to do. But there's that constant state of comparison and it's something like I got off social media a couple of years ago because I was like, it's driving me insane because I know I'm not confident in what I'm doing right now. And you can, you can bet that it's not helping by me going online and seeing what my friends are doing and seeing how I always tell this example of, um, there was a girl I went to school with and if we're talking about kind of grades at school, I was definitely like a high, a, a, like I say an A student and she would have been maybe a, like a B student. And she decided, so I had always said I wanted to be a doctor and I did really well at school. I was going to go off and do that. And I took the gap year and then went to university Whereas she went straight to university and she studied business and we weren't really close at school or anything. And we were kind of loosely acquainted, but I just always assumed that I guess I'd be more successful in my career say than she would be. And what ended up happening is it took me a while to finish university because I did the two degrees and I studied abroad and I lived overseas. So it kind of got pushed out. And I was to, to make money while I was, while I was at university, I was dry, uh, delivery for Uber Eats. So I was just delivering food around the city and I was totally fine with it. But like, I was a bit, in, I guess I was a bit embarrassed because I was probably 22, 23 at the time. I just kind of thought I'd probably have a corporate job or something by that point in time. And there was this one day I knew this girl had already finished university. She'd already graduated and she was working in a corporate job in the city as well. And there was this one day, I remember I went to this like Mexican restaurant to pick up this delivery and I grabbed the order and I went and stood, I was, I needed to cross the road. So I was waiting for the traffic lights to turn and I looked across the road and like my stomach just dropped. And it was this girl that I went to school with and I had this like bag of food in my hand. It had the Uber Eats like sign on it. And she was there. She was in on her lunch break. She was in her corporate gear. She had the pencil skirt. She had the button up top. She had the, the nice shoes on. And I just totally panicked because I thought, I don't want her to see me like this. I feel like I should have had this all, like I should be done with this sort of stuff by now. So I walked across the road. I tried to hide the Uber Eats bag behind me or just hope that she thought, I don't know, I'd gone and bought something in a shop. And luckily we were just crossing paths briefly. And I said, you know, hello to where, how you're going. But I just felt so small and I felt like she had this formula figured out and why couldn't I have figured it out and why, how has she gone and done this? And yet I can barely get through university and and keep my head up high, but there is this comparison and you realize that everyone is on their own timeline. And one thing I think I've realized about my timeline is I'm a bit more of a slow burn. Like it's more of a, I'm not just going to hit something and be like, sweet, I'm good to go with that career for the next 20 years. I'm picking up all these experiences, these stories, these just life things that are happening because now I get to share them. And if I hadn't have had those experiences along the way, I wouldn't have these stories to share and to help other people. But at the time I had no idea what I was doing and I felt so miserable because it, it, from the outside, it looked like everyone else had, they had the formula and I'd missed that class or something like that. No, and I, I, I think that's, oh, I, I find that your that story is so powerful and that a lot of, I think, people listening to this can relate 
to that experience of just I don't know like just this this feeling of I don't want to say less than but like just just that whole experience I think of like you, this moment in time where you just didn't measure up to what you thought you were going to measure up to or, or especially in a moment where you you had made a, a judgment years ago about a person right and then it totally manifested with that, not how you expected it to and I think our 20s to even bring it back to what we were saying in the first place is like our 20s is, is this time that you can either see it as hard or you can see it as magical in that it shatters our expectations of what you thought you needed to be. And I don't know if you're familiar with the author Brianna Wiest, um, but she's pretty like she has a few billion followers on Instagram. She does all right for herself, but she has a few books. And um, one of them was... It was an essay and it's called 101 essays to change the way you think. And I think that's the book that kind of like got her to fame. But anyway, she talked about, she has this essay about, it's not too late to start over. It's never like, it's never too late to start over in your twenties. And it's all about, I encourage you to, you know, do the thing or, um, take the risk or take the gap year or, you know, look at that, you look at your insecurities in the eye and decide, you know, who are you going to be and what are you going to do with that? And I think that was such a monumental moment for you. It sounds like of like looking that, you know, that, that, that own insecurity you had within you right in the face. And, you know, it was like the universe kind of put it right in front of you in this very, very tangible physical way and gave you this magical opportunity. And as a catalyst to decide what you were going to do with it. And maybe it wasn't right in that moment, but as you're, your career has gone on and and you've written this book and you're going down this path to inspire other people. These are the moments that help us find our purpose. And in the moment, sometimes it feels heavy or it feels hard and it feels like a failure, like you said, but it ends up being this beautiful catalyst to deliver us exactly to where we're supposed to be. If you say yes to it. Mm -hmm. And that's what you said. You know, only if you say yes, these things are going to fall on our lap, but it's up to you to say yes to the opportunity and to the, to the invitation. For sure. And that's where the, like I've, I guess a guiding principle probably of my twenties is never get too comfortable because there's a certain level of comfort you need. Sure. But when I find when I get too comfortable, I get a bit complacent and mm-hmm. you don't start rather than like start to seeing these opportunities as something that you can take. They're almost like inconveniences or distractions. Whereas when I know that I can always find stability, like I can find stability wherever I am, like if wherever I physically am, whatever I'm doing, but I want to make sure I'm still challenging myself to a certain extent because when I challenge myself, I grow and to be quite honest, life just gets better. I I enjoy my time more if I'm learning and I'm growing. And that's not to the point where I'm obsessed with healing or trying to get over traumas or anything like that. It's just more of a, I know if I'm constantly kind of finger on the pulse with what's going on in my head and what's happening, I have a much, much better enjoyment of my life. And that's what I, if I can keep focusing on that, I know I'm always going to make career decisions and life decisions that are going to be in alignment with what I want at that point in time. And I may not have all the answers. I honestly could not tell you exactly what I'm going to be doing in 10 years time, but that's how I want it because it means that I'm never going to get 
blindsided. I'm never going to have my blind, like my blinkers on and then not see what other opportunities might be out there. And that's not that I'm chasing like shiny objects and trying to go after them more of just like a, I understand that things are going to change. And you know, you were talking before about you're in the end of the twenties and you start reflecting and looking at the next decade ahead. Like so much when I look back at my twenties has happened, but then I start thinking about the next decade and it's like, well, let's have, let's be honest here. It's going to be the decade where I'd have kids. So you can't tell me that that decade's not going to be even bigger in terms of like fundamental life shifts, life shifts that are going to happen. So it's like, I'm, my needs are going to change. My desires are going to change. It, it could change everything. You just don't know what's around the corner. But I think if you're constantly aware of what might be changing so that when you get that intuitive hit, and that's something I've probably tried to develop a lot more as I've gotten towards my, at the end of my twenties is when you get that gut feeling of like, you walk into a workplace and you're like, something is off here. You wake up that one day and you're like, something's changed. I don't feel the same way about this job is to trust it and to look around and see what else is kind of telling you. What's the universe being like, oi, pay attention. Something's not right here. You're getting a bit off track. You know, what can you do now to change this? That's something that's just so important, I think, to keep developing. And I think that I don't want to compare too much males versus females to say that males can't be intuitive. But I think I've found when I compare myself, say, to my partner, I have these inc- these incredible intuitive hits. And mm-hmm. that I assume is going to keep happening. And if I like going into motherhood and things like that, that's only going to, I would assume, intensify. So if I can keep listening to that and not try to force my body and my mind to be in a situation that I don't want to be in in my career... I know it's all going to work out one way or the other. What do you, what, what would you say to someone that is in their, maybe their later half of their twenties, right? That's starting to look toward their thirties and they've been in their career for a couple of years, but they're super unsatisfied and they're, whether it's the job, they have this intuitive hit, like something is wrong, something, what can someone that's older, maybe that's in a relationship or married is looking towards settling down more, doesn't have the necessarily all the freedom that your early and mid twenties often allows us. What do you say to that, that cohort of your twenties, your late twenties, like a career change and your the latter part of that experience? Is it the same? Yeah. So for me, it's the, cause I had this, cause I had that kind of crisis when I was 26 in this sales job that I've been in and I knew something wasn't right because like I was going to work in the dark on these dangerous roads with tears streaming down my face. I mean, it was pretty obvious something, yeah. <laughs> something wasn't right and something yeah. had changed and this job actually wasn't for me in the long run. And I know for me, it was creating time for myself where I didn't have to go and do something I knew I didn't want to do. So I think there can be this idea of you're in this job and while I know I don't want to do this job or something's not right, but I don't know what the next thing is. And there's almost this like, well, I have to be able to instantly jump to the next thing. Whereas kind of almost like that, the idea of the gap year is you kind of need this space in between to be able to unpack whatever's going on. And this is where I I appreciate for some people financially, they may not be able to say, take a month off in between jobs, but a lot of the time you can't see the next step or the next, uh, like, I don't know, just the next opportunity until you're out of the current situation that you're in. And 
I know for, especially for Americans, if you're in a company where you are only receiving two weeks of annual leave every year, that's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of space to be able to just be you and do whatever you're going to do. Cause you're going to spend, if you're in a high stress job, you're going to spend the first week decompressing anyway. And then maybe in the second week you might be, but then you're going to be dreading going back to work. And there was an example of a girl and she's 27 and I met her a couple of months ago and she was working in a law firm and she's like, it just wasn't the career I thought it was going to be. It's a very toxic workplace. And she'd just quit her job. So she'd really made this big decision. She was really excited, but she'd instantly just started applying for other jobs and felt like she had this. And so it was great that she didn't just wait until she had another job, but she was already instantly going, well, if I don't get another job, that means I'm not doing anything good with my time, that I am a bit of a failure or like people are going to ask me what I'm doing when she had this really beautiful opportunity to take a couple of weeks for herself, financially, they were okay. They'd be fine if she didn't get another job for a couple of months, but this time just to smell the roses, to go on a walk for an hour and not feel like, okay, I've got a to-do list. When I get home, I've got to slam through all these different things just to create this environment where you can get bored, that you can see what else is out there. What are you driven to do? What environments do you want to be in? Who haven't you caught up with in ages? What, I don't know, activity have you always wanted to try, but you've never had the opportunity to. But I think a lot of the time in our twenties, we feel this immense pressure to get to the next step, to get to that next phase that we don't ever have this kind of the space in between. And the space in between for me is where the magic has happened. It's been where I've had some of my biggest intuitive hits because I can actually hear them. I can actually stop and experience them. And like energetically, there's a lot happens. Like, I mean, if you look at, I don't know, astrology and stuff like that, depending on how your audience looks at that sort of stuff, there is a lot that actually- Oh, we, we're astro hosts. Okay, we're cool. astro so, with hosts your Saturn, so with your Saturn return, a lot is happening around that time yes. when you're coming up to your 30s. And I didn't know that until I had a conversation one day because I'd won this like- this, uh, this experience that I went and did for a week, this like training for a week. And I met this woman there and it was all like intuitive hits of how I got there. And I met this woman and she's like, you're in your Saturn return. And I was like, my what? And then I went down this complete rabbit hole and it led to so much like spiritual and mind blowing. Like it was like you Google it and you're like, and I grew up in a very, like I was very analytical. I was maths. I was science. And then I'm going and I'm looking at all these like spiritual woo woo things. And I was like, this can't be right. This like, I've got to like, I've got to, like logic my way through this but then the more I started (laughs) diving into it the more I was like holy crap I have never like dived into something that has been so relatable on like a body intuitive like gut level but if I didn't have the space to do that and I was still staying in these work environments I knew weren't right for me I never would have had the bandwidth to be able to take any of that on and I look back now and be like whoo thank god I made that space because so much has changed because I've let myself go down that that path and this, oh, the Saturn return, that was something that really got me through some of those really hard times because it was like, oh, my God, okay, well, this is, like, what I'm supposed to be doing. And the Saturn return, for those listening that don't know what a Saturn return is, I'm going to give you, like, a five-second spiel. It's basically, like, the, the planet of Saturn it, um, stands for, like, all of our, our integrity and holding ourselves accountable. And so it stations direct at the same spot that it was when you were born around 30 years 27 to 30 years later and so what the astrologists say is going to happen during that time in your life your late 20s is that you're going to experience all the things that you did in your life that weren't serving your higher purpose are going to be thrown off kilter during that time so you could argue for me my Saturn return 
was my relationship, my 10-year relationship ending. That was not serving my higher purpose. It threw me off kilter. And the Saturn return brought me back into accountability and back into my higher purpose. And so that's really what I, a lot of, that's why I'm so passionate about astrology and what Alana is saying here. It's like some of these things, you can call it woohoo. You can say you don't believe in it. But a lot of people that are going through these really profound self uh, journeys of self-discovery really relate to these things because on a on a physical intuitive spiritual level because it really feel it feels right and it feels true to what we're collectively experiencing what a lot of people don't know is that your Saturn return happens again when you're like 60 so I do have like some older listeners if you're listening to this in your 60s um it does happen again. So if you're experiencing these things that are throwing you off kilter, whether it's a health change, issues in your marriage, whatever, some similar things happened when you were 30 and it's going to happen again and repeat around that 60, 65, 70 time frame, decade in your life. So it's absolutely fascinating. I love astrology. And I think a lot of these theories and practices, you can, like I said, you can call it woohoo, but it makes fucking sense. Totally. And this is the, this is the, the part that's so like difficult with careers. Cause you're like, no, it's supposed to be so black and white. It's supposed to be yep. a plus B equals C. And then like, there's just this weird energy, this weird vibe that you cannot shake when you get to your kind of that, like yeah, 26, 27 mark. And I was just trying to find the answer. I was trying to logic my way through it. I've just got to find the right job. But then it's like, oh no, there's something more that I need to dig into here. And that's why I try to in, like encourage young people to explore a bit earlier, almost in your twenties so that you're not hit so aggressively when this happens, because you look around and you just, it's like everyone drops like flies. You start seeing, it's like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, they're going, <laughs> it's happening for them now. And a lot of the time, like I remember someone explaining to me that there's that like kind of midlife crisis, which is a lot of the time when, um, that second rest- ret- Saturn return is happening. But a lot of the time people have skipped their first one or they've ignored it. So that one comes in and that's when they go and buy a motorbike or that's when they go and, you know, do something mm-hmm. like ridiculous. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. the, like the knowledge is power. The more you kind of know about it, the more you can go, Ooh, let's actually go and explore this as opposed to resisting it because I don't actually know what's going on. Yes. And not resisting the unknown. And I think that's also can, we could really bring that into embracing the space between like you were talking about when trying to find the career and the past, the path, the purpose, the passion, for you is embracing the space between for me too. I can attest that the space between is where the magic happened. The space between my most traumatic event and now landing where I am now in this really like beautiful, magical place in my life. That's already can, that's only continuing to get better is the space between that I took to heal, to really get clear with who the fuck I was, um, what I needed out of life, what I wanted out of my relationships, what I wanted out of myself, who I wanted to be in this world and how I wanted to serve and show up and what legacy I want to leave. And it's a very different question of what do I want my legacy and what do I want my purpose to be than asking, well, how do I make the most money and how do I have the best image and how do I make a practical living? It's like that's playing it small to me. That's not asking yourself the deeper question. So if you're sitting here listening to this episode and you're feeling really unsatisfied in your career or in the path that you've chosen, maybe start asking yourself deeper questions and be willing to take a bigger 
risk to find the answer because it's harder to find answers to these deeper questions and it takes more work. Mm-hmm. For, for sure. And this is like one quick note on that. I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear if this was your experience. I think I've known from a very young age and I've known from a very young age that I was here for something more or something bigger or just, there was just a feeling I had in my stomach from a very, very young age. And I ignored it for a lot of years until the Saturn return kind of came through. And I was like, ah, it all kind of makes sense now. Cause I'd find myself sitting around being like, this is bullshit that we do this this way. Or why are we doing it like this? And I'd be constantly questioning these things. And I think that if you're someone that has that, just that feeling of like, there's got to be something more, this can't be all it is. I, there is something I'm here to do. There's a very good chance that it's, there is, there is legitimately something you're going to do. And there's something that you need to kind of bring into the world. And I think that as much as it is about who you are and how you are as a friend and a partner and stuff, I just think that work is this beautiful, beautiful opportunity to, express our purpose and our meaning and why not kind of make the most of it? Why not use that time wisely and use it to create a beautiful life? Absolutely. And I think there's so many ways that you can do that and because, and that is so because we're all so different. So it's not that you, everyone has to find a career that has this massive purpose in that you're helping people or you're, like you said, a doctor or, um, you know, a therapist or like whatever, you know, like you're in your head, you're the image you're having by what we're saying. I mean, it literally could be that you're something like an engineer or a lawyer or a salesperson or you work at Disney World. I literally don't care. But again, it all comes down to how do you feel when you are doing it? Does it serve your higher purpose? And does it give you the life that allows you to serve your higher purpose? Like you even saying, like, if work isn't your thing, it doesn't have to be your thing. But does work is work the vehicle for you to live your higher purpose? And what is that? And are you doing that work? And are you living your most authentic life? And as you all know, this whole season is the be you be being your most authentic self empowering yourself to up level your life to live your most authentic life and that that's what this I mean that's literally what we're talking about right now and doing it in such a powerful way and with your career which is how you spend the majority of your time you know at least at least probably 40 hours of your week some of you more um and I mean I can't express to you like how powerful that this type of questioning could be for you even if you're it's not something that comes naturally to you to just try and start somewhere Mm. or to to, yeah and to to meet a new person that maybe thinks differently Mm -hmm. or to yeah go to a different environment just to kind of break the funk to get out of your habit to get out of your routine because it really truly does only take one like moment or opportunity that will then build on another one and then all of a sudden you are just you've made that one degree shift at one point and then you are just moving you're moving towards that life that yeah, actually means something to you as opposed to, well, I've ticked the traditional career boxes. And for some people that is going to be what they want to do. And that's totally fine. But I think there's also a lot of people that are like grossly unsatisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And only increasing. So, and that's why, you know, millennials have gotten the reputation of like, oh, we're so lazy. Oh, we just want to do what's fun. We don't want to do hard work. We don't want to. And I think the 
I, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's such an antiquated way of thinking about it. But I think the millennials that are asking the hard questions that are doing things in a different way that are pave, paving a different path than maybe was laid out for them. Some of, uh, that's where we're going to see just some massive change in not only our own individual lives, but in society, but in the way that we relate to one another. I mean, it does have a ripple effect and it's so, this is such important, important work. And I mean, I'm excited, you know, to see where the collective goes, but I think it's really exciting for me to have, you know, gotten to hear your story, to connect with you and to the way that you are, you are very good at articulating it. I mean, the way that, and with your own experience, but also how to apply it to other people into such a plethora of situations, no matter where in the world you live. And so that's super inspiring. And I'm really, I'm really grateful we got to do this episode today. I mean, it's really cool stuff. Thank you so much. That means, it means a lot to hear it. And that's where, yeah, I often, um, like I'm about to kind of like, I'm very homeless at the moment and don't really know exactly where I'll be in 12 months time, but very exciting. And, yeah, I do honestly believe it's a global message. It's not specific to, I mean, everyone can relate, especially if you were someone that went to university, like from, I speak to people around the world about their experiences. Everyone had the same, a really similar experience of like, oh, you're going to university is how you get the best job or the best money that sometimes I think if you can connect with someone from a different country, it can just open up your mind to so many different ways of looking at things and how people live. And if you can expose yourself to those things, the, yeah, you can start taking that ownership and creating the career and the career that you want. Absolutely. And I think being able to talk to people from other cultures, other countries, you just, it gets out of your, your mindset that your little world is the whole world. And I mean, you think about like centuries ago when people never even left their villages. And so they like believed all these crazy religions and stories and things that were so magical and not true because they had no other you know opportunity or access to anything else. And they didn't know anything else. And I think we we still experience that on a different level um, and traveling. And I want to get back into traveling. It's been I you know, I took a few years off of really big travel because I was investing in my home and. Mm-hmm doing grad school and whatever and I'm starting to come back to that because now I have this new job where I'm remote and I can work from anywhere and you know I'm coming back to this reigniting my passion for travel of like and a reminder of like life outside of me is so different and so unique and so vast and it just I don't know like you said it gets you out of the funk it gets you out of playing it small I'm feeling like you're stuck in your circumstances you're never stuck and sometimes it's as simple as setting aside the resources to get yourself in the space between to take a trip to meet someone different than you and to just get those wheels turning so I think this is beautiful work that you're doing I think it sounds like you're taking all the pieces of your travel experience of your experience with university and how that served you and how that didn't serve you and are really able to connect and inspire with a lot of young people um with your book. So when does your book come out? So it comes out on February 15th, um, which I was like, that's a nice little nod. It's the day before my 30th birthday. So I was like, right, I'm going to get this out just before I turn 30. It's been something I've been sitting on for years. Um, And so I'm just now in the process, I guess, of getting the book out and kind of building this company around it to help, yeah, young people just to find careers they actually want to be part of. 
So right now, is it just a book? Or are you like, are you, is your plan to like offer other services, yeah. other supports? Is it just like speaking engagements? What's your plan? I mean, really big vision if I'm going to put it out there is to eventually do in-person events. Um, so kind of, awesome. yeah, like actually bring young people together in a space where they can get these exposures. Like I kind of spoken about a few times, that's kind of bigger, bigger vision. But for the, the, the meantime, it's kind of building a movement around it of people that don't just want to take the prescribed career, the serious kind of pressured career and to actually enjoy their 20s and enjoy their their career so it'll be an ebook and an audio experience I wanted to bring the book to life to maybe interview some of the people that I actually mentioned in the book to hear more about their stories um with the intention then to once I kind of hear what people like what do people need what programs do you need what courses do you need what stories do you need to hear um I work really well when I have things to respond to and I've got my own experiences of course but yeah I want to hear from people I want to know like what do you wish you had or what do you need right now and let me kind of deliver it for you my gosh well I'm excited I'm excited that you've you're now also a part of Unserious Careers is also now a collaborator partner with the BU women's wellness community with bitch you need to hear this um and I also with BU that's my like coaching practice and that is also kind of creating a movement with women and giving this, telling the story, their stories, what they need, um, responding to that kind of in a similar way that you are and just creating community around talking about things that are difficult to bring to the light in a world that is so male driven. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm so excited to continue to connect with women like you that are doing these, like being change makers and doing these like really, really cool, um, amazing things that and have you know come from so many unique walks of life so again i appreciate all the work that you're doing i can't wait to see it unfold you guys february 15th is when unserious careers comes out um also make sure you follow alana on instagram you guys know that every week the podcast episode comes out i am plugging and tagging um so definitely head over to being.katieploss on instagram so that you can follow Alana. Also, her info is going to be in the show notes. A link to purchase her book will be in the show notes. Once the book comes out, I'll have um, my producer add it. So it's really easy and just a click away uh, for you guys to access this book. If you are, if this speaks to you, I want to hear from you. Um, and I want to continue to have this dialogue about creating authentic passion and purpose in your life. So thank you again, Alana, for uh, continuing to expand on that conversation and being the perfect season for you to be on of bitch and you hear this season too about being your most authentic self so thank you for bringing that and bringing this message to the to the listenership thank you so much for having me katie i love the podcast and the work you're doing and i can't wait to see where it all goes as well thank you so much all right ladies i will be back next week with a bu episode so you're just gonna get me and my lovely mug riffing off about one of these topics or two definitely check out the instagram um for any new updates a bitch need to hear this of bu we have a lot of really cool offerings coming out um in the month of february it's all about self-love and galentines and just being your most authentic self is continuing the theme for 2023 all right ladies until next week this has been another episode of bitch you need to hear this